0: Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour, where we make every hour a happy hour for your money. I'm your host, Tom, the Savings Captain, and I'm joined by my producer, Radish, the hardest working dog in podcasting. Hey, in this episode, we meet with Dividend Bull, who is a 25-year-old runner by morning, a software engineer by day, And an investor by night, just another incredible Gen Z story that we're gonna hear in just a minute. But before we jump in, if you're new to the Money Happy Hour, welcome. If you're not new and coming back, welcome back. Either case, we really appreciate all your listening and your support. The best way to help out this podcast, leave a five-star review and subscribe to wherever you listen to this podcast. Well, Dividend Bull, how are you doing today? How's it going?
1: Hi, Tom. I'm doing better than I deserve. Um, (laughs) I want to thank everybody here at the Money Happy Hour podcast for coming and listening today. And Tom, I really appreciate you having me here today.
0: Oh, it's an honor. You know, Dividend Bull, this is another, I love your opening. It references a longstanding radio show, Better Than I Deserve. There's a a famous money... (laughs) Host that uses that to every one of his callers that calls in, I got I got a kick out of that. But Dividend Bull, you are another Gen Z success story that just 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 breaks this mold that we see and hear about in the media. And I just get sick and tired of it day after day hearing the same thing. I know it exists. Guess what? It existed with my generation, Gen X. It, it it just inve- it just goes by generation. But your story is just, you know, I think it's inspiring. It's great. It's Just another great story in our series of Gen Z folks. So, Dividend Bowl, if you don't mind, just spend a minute. Spend a minute introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Yeah, Tom, um, thanks. Uh, so hi everyone. I'm the Dividend Bowl. Um, I'm a big uh, Dave Ramsey follower. Um, I'm a software engineer at a Fortune 50 company, and I am also a hardcore distance runner. Um, I started my financial journey back in uh, 2021 uh, when I picked up the uh, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey um, off a bookshelf and started reading it, and I was hooked in uh, finance ever since.
0: Yeah, it's a great book. There's so many good tidbits. You know, I'm I'm a certified financial planner by trade and I say a lot of that book just boils it down to the basics. But uh dividend bull, what was what was going on when you were twenty one? What motivated a twenty one year old to pick up that book?
1: Yeah, so I I had um a lot of uh debt, you know, uh from credit card to uh student loan debt at the time. Um at that time, I didn't have a mortgage or anything, but you know, I had enough debt, and I was like, you know, my money—I'm not really taking my money as far as I should for somebody making my income as a software engineer. Um, mm-hmm. I really need to get a hold of you know my situation here, you know, and and really see the financial growth that I want to see. And this must have been just before the pandemic,
0: then. But this was this in the.
1: It was in the heart of the pandemic.
0: It was okay. Yes, but you recognized, nonetheless. Whenever it was, you recognized that you didn't want to live a lifestyle of debt forever, wealth never.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, when I saw a few of my friends hitting hitting it big in the, uh, you know, the COVID the COVID bubble, some would call it. Um, (laughs) You know, and I I was just saving money in a regular uh, bank account was 0.5% interest rate, right? I was not earning any money. I was just stashing money away. And, um, when I could have been putting this money to good use. So, Mm -hmm. um, that really got me into investing when I realized, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm just lighting money on fire by holding it in my bank account. Um, even after I got all my debts cleared and stuff, um, I didn't, you know, I just never really had a financial background, uh, Nobody I really know does investing. Um, I've kind of just learned through, you know, Twitter, uh, YouTube, reading some books, obviously Dave Ramsey. um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been life changing.
0: When you say hit it big, some of your friends were hitting it big during COVID. What what was that you were saying?
1: Uh, Yeah. So some of my friends were, uh, you know, early adopters of Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin (laughs) miners, um but they were you know not they weren't just investing in bitcoin you know they were investing in the s&p 500 other things like that and i just saw how much wealth you know transformed overnight um and i was like wow i really want to get in on this whole investing thing not so much bitcoin but you know i needed to put my money to work um and i knew if you know i didn't want to end up uh being 80 and dying on a walmart floor
0: um, yeah. So I always wonder um what it must have been like coming into investing right during the COVID lockdown. And what what I mean by that dividend bull, there was a lot going on. You know, we had that big COVID crash, the market recovered top to bottom in you know, a matter of weeks basically. But what happened after that was just, you know, crazy stuff. NFTs, meme stocks all the altcoins. so how much did you invest in that or how much of a temptation was it hey let me start this that's the way to invest like what what kept you from going down that path
1: um yeah so i mean i got a computer science background um i you know i kind of see bitcoin as something that could lead us into the future but at the same time i'm very skeptical about it um and at the time, I was just like, "What's the safest bet?" Dave Ramsey always preaches about this S and P five hundred. I'm just gonna put money into this, and that was about the t- the the time that the uh, tailwind had started. When, um, you know, S and P was coming off of its you know all time highs, uh, right. going into 2022, um, and that's really when I start. That's when I was literally dumping cash in, um, you know, towards the peak, it uh, wasn't a lot of money. Uh, I was maybe investing a hundred dollars a month. I mean, nothing compared to what I yeah. am now.
0: Awesome. You know, I always wondered if I had to, if I was starting out during that period, um, yeah, you know, that, that's impressive because what was going on at the time that you learning about investing, it was all the stay at home stocks. Remember that term?
1: Uh, oh yeah, like Zoom and Peloton uh, things like yeah. that
0: <laughs> yeah um it it's so easy to get sucked into you know just the flavor of the month, the madness of the moments. It sounds like you avoided that and started out with a very good foundation. That's awesome, yeah,
1: but anybody can sit back and look at Peloton and say, Okay, like what happens to Peloton after this pandemic or lockdown ends' Are people really gonna suddenly keep riding those Peloton bikes after, you know, they're released from their cages into the wild and can start going on vacations and traveling again? I knew that was, that was the biggest spoof out there. Um, <laughs> I would have never put a penny towards Peloton, and I still won't. You know, <laughs> I look at companies at uh, as an objective standpoint. Like, you know, Nvidia, that's a good company. You know, mm-hmm. Peloton's not a good company. Um, you know, there's several others I can name off that just from a business standpoint, they just don't make any sense. And, um, you know, buying at those wild evaluations is kind of bonkers to me. Why people would FOMO into something like that is, wow. is pretty crazy.
0: It, it's so impressive. You learn that early on, early in life. And because uh, someone bought Peloton out there for three hundred ninety bucks, it traded up at that level or something <laughs> like it.
1: Uh, I just can't believe that. I got to thank my brother. Uh, He studies finance, um, you know, so he uh, actually graduates this year. And uh, Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot from him through him studying uh, his finance degree. Uh, Because obviously I have a technology background, but not a strong sense of uh, the financial markets and stuff like he does. Good.
0: So, dividend bowl. So it sounds like you're reading the money. Total Money Makeover. Were you listening to Dave Ramsey a little bit?
1: Oh, that's actually actually I think I got more into Dave Ramsey because of the podcast and his YouTube videos, yeah. Um, than you know the actual book. I think I just picked up the book because you know he referenced it in the show. Um, but listening to the, the YouTube videos is just hilarious. Um, and at the same time, kind of sad because you hear about people's situations and you're like, oh, like, that's crazy. I I mean, I remember I was believing in that credit card myth where, you know, you should keep a balance on a credit card. Um, you know, and it's crazy that, you know, once I found out that Dave Ramsey was saying, dude, that's ludicrous. That doesn't even do anything. You know, I immediately paid off my credit card debt, you know, that day. Cause you know, this whole time I was being told by the average person, "Oh, yeah, just keep a balance."
0: Yeah. So you're starting to probably listen to some of these interviews and calls. You're making a good income, right? At the time. Oh top. yeah, oh yeah, so, for
1: sure. Especially as a software engineer.
0: Yeah, as a software engineer, you're you're basically saying, "Hey, why am I, why am I carrying this debt? Is that are those what those calls instilled in you, kind of like a call to action to stamp out the debt?"
1: Yeah, because I'm hearing about all these stories of people making a third of what I'm making mm-hmm. and coming out of, uh, you know, these terrible debt situations or becoming millionaires and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, am I just am I just FOMOing into keeping up with the Joneses and stuff and falling into this trap of, yeah, I got a high income, you know, I need to spend it all to look flashy and stuff and um You know, I I never got into software engineering because of the money. Uh, It's always been my passion. Uh, I've been programming since high school. Uh, I went to hacking competitions, programming competitions, Um, you know. So it just so happened that my passion also made uh, a good income. But uh, to most people's surprise, I... I don't really care about the money. I actually don't even care about the money with investing. I think I actually love the process. It feels like I'm tied to a process. And Dave Ramsey always said, if you're tied to a, you know, know, engineers are tied to a process and that's why they become millionaires. You know, I can kind of see why that gravitates towards my skill level.
0: Absolutely. So you... You, you finally get rid of the debt. How long do you? How long did it take you to climb out of that credit card, a consumer debt?
1: Oh, the credit card debt was like, I think it was like fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, it was nothing. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it's still. I mean, Dave Ramsey would have been, you know, flipping yeah. out that I even had it for the six <laughs> or eight months that I had it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I paid it off, and then I was immediately like into the high yield savings accounts, like SoFi, yeah. um, just you know once i found out i got all this money in this bank doing nothing for me um and then eventually it worked on to the roth ira um, at the time i had a company match but i also had a pension um so i'm vested into my uh, company's pension but at the time i was i was throwing money into my 401k not realizing hey there's this better retirement account called a roth ira that i should really be putting my money into so then i started maxing that out um in 2022 um but yeah i was i really just tried to get out of that debt as fast as possible uh my last thing left is really my truck and that's probably my biggest financial regret was buying a new truck straight out of college um yeah i mean it it lasted that feeling lasted for about maybe three months And I can say like three or four years later, I'm really sick of having a car payment. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favourite podcast app. Or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading. This is how traders excel.
0: There is... I mean at the age of twenty five, the level of investing that you're doing, not carrying credit card debt that is not that's in that's gonna be insignificant in how the uh, how this movie ends for you. I mean that's that that's gonna be minuscule. So dividendable, you had a few things you're learning to invest. you're building up your income, you've got your student small student loan paid off that you'd shared with me no credit card debt and you're investing what level of commitment did you make to investing and saving like how much of the ink how much of your income were you dedicating to it
1: um like at first i like i told you it was maybe like a hundred hundred dollars every month and then once i was finally learning more about investing and like hey like keeping all my money into a bank account really isn't doing anything for me. Uh, I, I started, you know, I had a budget, you know, that was something new that I'd never done. I I had a budget. And then from there, I just, I was like, Hey, like, look, I got, I can roughly save like 30% of my income every month. Um, you know, let's, let's invest that. Um, let's get that money doing something for me. Um, and I think, I think my, The thing I'm most proud about is maxing out my Roth IRA because I felt like it was just that small stepping stone that got me to where I am now where, you know, I'm putting money into my taxable brokerage and I'm learning more about investing because I'm still very new to investing, right? I don't don't want anybody here to believe that like hey this kid's got it all figured out i'm still learning a lot um you know i can't even tell you how to sell options and stuff Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna stay out of that i'm you know my slogan is uh etf uh dca and chill yeah Um, i I really just buy etfs um dollar cost average and that's a i'm very boring um and it goes with my running background, right? Um great runners are boring runners. You know, they stick to the plan. Uh yeah. they they're consistently consistent day in day out. Um you know, for the long term. And I think that's another skill set that I have that I bring to investing that really levels me up.
0: Yeah, it sounds like most of your day is just spent in a process, right? Running. If you run for one day, you're not a runner. If you invest for one day you're not an investor and then that engineering kind of mindset um you know really helps really helps as well so that's a big commitment and that's kind of why i say the the truck payment will be um you know dead and gone before you know it and you'll probably still be riding around that truck as long as you want it but your wealth is going to be building so what going to that ramp up in just a few years, a 100 bucks or so a month to 34% of your income, did you have to cut back in a lot of areas of life? What sacrifice did you make?
1: Uh, that's the craziest part. Um, you know, I'm a pretty frugal person. you know I don't go out to the bars and stuff like most people in my generation. Um, you know, I'm not <laughs> trying to live this lavish lifestyle. I really love uh the day in and day out process. You know, I'm I'm married to the things that I commit myself to whether it's running for 12 plus years now or you know my career as a software engineer. Um, you know, I enjoy every day. I'm not looking forward to the weekend. I'm not looking forward to my next vacation. Um, so I haven't really had to cut back much at all. I think really my biggest problem was structure, like getting a budget and structuring myself because I had no structure for a while. I was just kind of flailing all over the, the floor because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a young, I'm a young 22 year old kid with, you know, this money that I don't really know what I'm doing with. Um, so once I got a process and uh, I was able to stick to it, it's just become, you know, natural for me.
0: So you... And following Dave Ramsey, is that where you started getting a little more familiar with setting up a personal budget?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely Dave Ramsey, and um, you know I, I love Dave Ramsey. I love the show, and um, there are some things I don't really agree with, like for example the thousand dollar emergency fund. Yeah, I don't know how a thousand dollar a thousand dollars is going anywhere these days for an emergency. Um, you know, I I personally think five thousand dollars. Yeah. is is more of a reasonable amount um for you know an emergency fund um I know he's a big like mutual fund guy I don't agree with that um you know and also no credit cards at all I think that's kind of crazy but I do see it from his perspective where most people are not going to have um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the accountability to not run up those credit cards, right? I think yeah. there's only certain, you know, like a a niche yeah. group of people that can have that kind of discipline to, you know, not keep running up credit cards.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan, but there are you hit two or three of the things that I fundamentally, you know, disagree with her question. I think. I I listened to Dave Ramsey when he first started out, and back in in the early 1990s, mutual funds, that was the only option. There were no ETFs. There's better ways to go about it now. And for some people, I I always – sometimes I always run and hide when I say – when I hear never – those kind of qualifiers when it comes to investing, like never do this, never do that, only do this, only do that. I think there's sometimes a little bit of gradations. Uh, a person can use a credit card responsibly. You have to know yourself, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Tom, what would you agree is a good like, safety net for an emergency fund?
0: Oh, good question. So I think um, his, in my opinion, that thousand dollar, um baby step I think it's baby step one is what he calls it, so I think if you have an emergency emergency fund three three months of expense is minimum, probably closer to six months, the more fragile your situation is like is it dependent on one income is it a economically sensitive industry but I think his thousand dollar baby step and let me know if you agree with this travis I think it's uh um I think it's based on you're coming from a place of you got nothing in the bank and your emergency fund is your credit card. And he's just trying to break you from the next time you have to spend something dipping on putting it on that credit card. Um,
1: yeah, that makes sense. He hopes you don't
0: stay at that level all that long that you kind of get those credit cards paid off and then plow that up. So I'll give him, I'll cut him a little bit of slack there, but, um, Then there's also, you have a very interesting story. I want to spend some time talking about it in the real estate market and you're in the Metro Phoenix area. So this is a perfect example. You did something that if you would have followed Dave Ramsey's advice, (laughs) probably would have ended up different. You want to tell, you want to tell that story a little bit? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, you know, it was, it was a few years ago and my girlfriend and I were renting out of a house here in uh, Phoenix. Um, our rent was sixteen hundred dollars a month. Um, I thought it was absolutely crazy, and we went and looked at other uh, rental properties uh, to get out of that that lease that we were in, and their prices were like two thousand dollars. Whoa! And so uh, I sat down with her and I said, "Listen." I think we got to take the non-traditional route. Um, I think this is the time to get a house at these 3% interest rates. I don't think we'll ever see this again in our lifetime. We got to take this opportunity, and this was more of my intuition guiding me. Um, we had many, many, many people um say this is a bad idea. <laughs> now, the two of us also had both of our parents live with this regret of spending all this money on uh, a wedding and and instead of putting it towards a down payment on a house. And so that was something that we mutually thought, you know, we'd rather get eloped than spend $40,000 on a wedding where we could go spend that money on a down payment on a house, get a beautiful home, get a beautiful mortgage um, you know, and I did keep the rule of under 30% of our income, like Dave Ramsey suggests. Yeah. Um, I didn't do the third, I didn't do the 15 year. I know he's yeah. big on the 30 year. Um, but I, we pay more towards our principal each month. Um, so we can get towards that 15 year. I just like that buffer in case anything bad happens. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we went in all in on this house and I we talk about it, you know, two years later on a weekly basis. You know, we run the numbers of our house and, you know, I, I tell her about how if we just listened and followed the path of everybody else, um, you know, we'd still be renting. We'd be renting forever. We we can't we can't afford the house that we currently live in with today's mortgage rate. Um, so we really got in right before that 2021, um, yeah. you know, crazy moonshot into 2022. Yeah. And I, I'm really glad that I stuck with my intuition. You know, it's never, it's yeah. never failed me.
0: Cause it's, you know, it, when it comes to real estate, it's never a good time to buy a house. They're always too expensive. And then, it, it was always a good, yesterday was always the best day to buy a house. Does that make sense? That's what ends up happening. Your intuition, you, you figured that out. That is just amazing that you and your fiance just came to that conclusion.
1: Yeah. I think it was that mutual thing where both of our parents, you know, regret yeah. having one of those big weddings and then not putting it towards a down payment. And we were like, you know, we know we want to get married. We know we want to get eloped. Um. You know, let's let's do this, and you know we committed to it as a team, and I think it's been the greatest uh, outcome. You know, I'm really proud of that achievement, and even better yet, I see a lot of these uh, reports out there saying about how um, people are getting their down payment, or my generation is getting their down payments from family members and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I even remember the the builder trying to sell us. Um, you know, the house that had the five bedrooms, the three car garage, you know, the 3000 square feet. And, you know, me being the modest person that I am growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania, I was like, I don't need that. I don't need to live this keeping up with the Joneses lifestyle. Like I want, I want the smallest house in this development. And yeah. it, it frustrated them because, you know, they had approved us for, you know, this large amount of, and I refused to, you know, buy into their their gimmick of trying to sell me the the biggest house on the block. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think I I think that made me really proud that, you know, we we didn't get a gift from anybody. That was the other thing the builder was saying was like, oh, you know, a lot of people get gifts from family members and stuff for their down payment. And you know we both agreed we don't want we don't want help if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this on our own, um, you know that's how my parents raised me I know that's how mm-hmm. her parents raised her um, and that was rewarding you know because when I see it on Twitter that they're like 60% of Gen Z needs yeah. a you know a gift for their down payment I'm like okay whatever.
0: Just a remarkable, just a remarkable story. I think there's two big things there. The first thing is um, the danger of one size fits all advice of national radio programs. Because if you would have took that advice literally, you'd still be renting now, as you said.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our mortgage would be yeah roughly almost three k yep. more than it is now.
0: Three k, and then you wouldn't have ha- you wouldn't have as much. To invest, right?
1: Yeah, no, not at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, I would have way down by a mortgage. I would not be, yeah. I wouldn't even be saving, uh, you know, 33, 34%. Yeah. What
0: a, what a great, um, trust in your gut and instinct on that. The other big thing that I'm hearing, and I just want to call it out specifically this, what I'm hearing is you and your fiance, you, you, you sound like you're fundamentally on the same page with things financially. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think I think a lot of us got that 2008 wake up call with our parents, mm-hmm. um, and Dave Ramsey preaches about how you know couples should be on the same page uh, for finances; otherwise, it's never going to work. Yeah. Um. So I, I think I hit that pretty head on right from the get go. Um, when?
0: How did you two? How did you two get on the same page when did you detect that hey we're we're, we're moving as one team here uh,
1: I think it was after our rental went up another five hundred dollars <laughs> I think that's when um, you know I was like I was like I don't want to keep renting you know and at this rate I'd rather just buy a house if I'm gonna pay if I'm gonna rent for two thousand dollars a month I might as well go get a mortgage right now when they're at three percent um, so then that's when that whole financial thing came about because, you know, obviously we weren't married at the time. So you got to, you got to show all your bank statements and everything. So everything's out on the, the floor for display, you know, about whether your credit card statements or, um, you know, your bank account information right. and stuff like that. So, um, it's, a, it, it was, a I would say it was a process of growth. Um, then I think that really helped our, um, relationship blossom into what it is today
0: that's incredible what a great um what a great so it still can it still can be done gen z can make it financially i have made a bold prediction gen z is going to be the most financially successful generation since like the great depression era and it, it's going to take 30 30 years for that prediction To come true i may may not be here but uh it's when i hear stories like this this is it this this it's going to work out for you this is fantastic
1: i I will say the the reason our generation has a leg up though is because we've had opportunities that other generations haven't had you know they haven't had the access to all this information um i I mean i still remember my dad telling me about how you used to have to pay five dollars to trade for a stock I mean, that's been non-existent for me, you know, or like ETFs are pretty new as well. You know, you used to buy individual stocks. Now you got all these ETFs, anybody can invest and, you know, Robinhood has, you know, and all those other brokerages, they go in and buy your daily stocks, you know, without you having to even think about it. I mean, just the technology at our fingertips is really, I think... The difference in the information as well because you know everything's a little bit more transparent and out there and you know you're not reading it from a newspaper and i mean how many people were really talking about stuff like this that are in the middle class back in the 80s probably not a whole lot i would assume because you know they're not they don't have youtube with people producing these uh great videos or you know on twitter sharing this information about finances yeah.
0: It is. It's great that you see it that way. Unfortunately, uh, the mass market don't see it that way. They see all the hardship, and you figured it out. You figured out the whenever there's an obstacle, there's an opportunity. So yeah. well done.
1: In my short uh, twenty-five years on this earth, I've noticed uh, fear cells.
0: Yep, that that is exactly right. Well, David and Bolt, it has been great catching up with you. Um tradition Radish, the producer, always always gets the last question in. So she knows that you do a lot of running. That's the one thing you really enjoy, keeps you centered. Um when you're out running, have you ever had a bad uh a bad situation with a dog, let's say, <laughs> who wants to chase uh, after you?
1: <laughs> yeah, not not necessarily. I mean, you had those uh farm dogs back in Pennsylvania that were pretty mean, but uh In Arizona here, I would say uh, most of the people's dogs are pretty friendly, so you don't have the junkyard dog chasing you down the street. Um, But I'm a dog lover at heart. I got four dogs myself. Um, You know, I would like to consider myself a dog whisperer. So personally, I've never really had a dog uh, chase me and attack me. I mean, they've always come up to me, but, you know, they're just there with their tails wagging ready for me to pet them. So I would definitely say, uh, you know, I enjoy seeing the dogs on my (laughs) runs.
0: Radish likes that. That's awesome, Dividend Bull. Well, Dividend Bowl, it's been great catching up with you. And folks, follow follow the Dividend Bull's journey. I'll put all his information where you can contact them and follow him on Twitter. But thank you so much for coming in today. Just another great Gen Z story. So we'll wrap up here. And I just want to say thanks again for listening today. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star review. And as always, remember to make every hour a happy hour for your money.